Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm. Jersey Shore train. The vacation has been real. Ronnie has been doing some wickedly poor stuff to a woman who is pregnant with his child. DJ Pauly D is funny as ever. And although this is a sports show, I thought we'd twist it up a little bit and open up a little Jersey Shore. But let me hop back into the sports after I introduce our sponsor, El Monterey Taquitos. Once again, having a taquito break during our sponsor ads and other commercials that go on. But it is NBA Finals time. We are coming to you live here Thursday evening for me in LA it is around 7 19 exactly just because I want to be exact with you people and it is halftime of the Cavs Warriors game one 56 56 and you got what you needed you got 24 points on 9 of 11 shooting from LeBron James in 21 minutes and you got 0 of 2 from 3 for Kevin Love 0 of 3 from 3 Jordan Clarkson 0 for 2 from 3 Jeff Green 1 of 2 from 3 J.R. Smith, and once again, it is being shown that LeBron James, the greatest NBA player of all time, has to shoulder load all by himself. 24 outstanding points in the first half, while other players on his team continue to struggle putting the ball in the net when they are beyond wide open. They have what they like to call back in high school Rosenzweig syndrome, where, yes, we like to make the tough shots, but when given way too much space, as Max Mazzetta would put it, I cannot make an open shot. So we were seeing a lot of that in the first game of this series. Xander, I know you've been working your butt off. No, no, no. Having a nice... you, you just did the whole show. That was good. Right? That was pretty need, good. I don't that... even need my input. I, I'm coming for your input, though. <laughs> this is <laughs> – I need your, bo- your box score input and some of the last you, you do, impressions you, do you have had. A, you have a little way of twisting the numbers a little bit. You say Kevin Love over two from three. Meanwhile, he's five of ten from the field. He's got 12 points in 18 minutes. J.R. Smith is two of four. Yeah. I mean, you know, just because LeBron's taking all the shots doesn't mean, you know, that he's the end-all, be-all. I just – I'm a little disappointed. I mean, here's another number that disappoints me. I know it's only – there's going to be a one in the category, but 0 for 1 from the free throw line is Kyle Korver. And I know that might be significant due to the low amount of stat in there, but it was off a technical free throw. He needed to put that in, I think – making the difference, give it a little more confidence, go into halftime up one, even up any amount of points. I mean, 
the Warriors have done it throughout this postseason, and we're going to talk about it here shortly, that leads seem to just diminish really quickly when you're playing against the Golden State Warriors. Happened with the Rockets, who were up 39-22 at the end of the first half, or end of the first quarter in Game 6. I mean, the Rockets had a pretty decent lead in Game 7 as well, but yeah, the Warriors, up, with their ability to shoot the three. They 54 to 43 at half, and just got it's out. It's amazing. I'm, I'm and, so salty. You, I'm so salty that the Rockets went four from 34 of 34 from deep in game seven. Just like almost a statistical impossibility how bleeping bad they were. Blows and 0 for 27. Over 20. Like, I picked them at the start of the year, and to come up short like that was disgusting. And you know what? I, don't, I know they didn't have Chris Paul, but it was, it was, just, it was disgusting how they didn't win that series. Unbelievable. Golden State sneaks away again, and they're going to win another finals. And I'm going to go home with my with my tail between my legs because all I wanted was Houston to make it. I didn't even care if LeBron beat him in the finals. I just wanted him to beat Golden State. Here's a good question. Are you putting the blame on Chris Paul being hurt? Do you think if Chris Paul was playing in either of those two games, the Rockets make the NBA finals? I'd like to argue with you, I'm so I'm hoping you answer in a certain way. I think you want me to say that they would have won if he was there, but I don't know. I don't think it really – you know what? I can't say it didn't make a huge difference, but they they could have easily won without him because they were in position to. They just let up these two enormous runs in the second half. It was like where'd they where'd they go? Got two halves of basketball. Why are you only playing one? Do you do you think the Warriors are a lucky team? I mean, that's been the narrative coming into this game. It's Kawhi Leonard being injured in series pass. It's been Kyrie and Kevin Love being out in their first NBA championship run. It's been Chris Paul out. It's been a myriad of injuries that have occurred in playoff matchups that they've been in over the course of their last four title runs. Do you think it's luck or, I mean, honestly, it's freak circumstance, I understand, but I still think the Warriors are a significantly better team than all these teams with those star players. I just think that it's something for a non-sports fan to grab onto and really race with. It's I Honest to God, don't think it makes that much of a difference. I know being down 3-2 is kind of the big, like, wow, maybe we have Chris Paul in Game 6 and we don't give up that lead, or wow, we maybe have game or Chris Paul in Game 7 and we don't miss 27 three-pointers in a row because he's going to handle the ball, drive, dish, create a little more space. I don't know. I think, it, like I said, it's for the non-sportsmen to make this more of an argument than it needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they're they're lucky. I mean, the circumstances are the circumstances. They can't change that. But I, you know, I think it does take a little bit of luck here and there to win in any sport in any fashion. And maybe the Warriors have gotten luckier than a lot of other teams. But I still do think they're a great team. Just, just super salty how the Rockets just couldn't close out that series. Um, you know, James Harden, MVP. Where you at? Nah. Where you at? Mm. Two games this is why. This is the problem. This is the argument we always have. The, why the award should be given before the postseason? Yeah, I, I think he's still going to win the award, but oh, who do you it's think? Just so uh, awful. I mean, LeBron. I see the argument, but see, are you not letting playoff LeBron kind of taint your thinking a little bit as well? Don't tell me that doesn't come across your mind when you think. And about I have. Re- I finally have the response for that. Are you ready for it? What? The response for that is. That, yes, playoff LeBron 
is exceeding expectations or matching the expectations he sets because he does this on a daily basis. A man who played 82 games where I can promise you that unless you're from Cleveland, you probably didn't catch one unless it was on primetime or at all because no one cares about the regular season in the NBA because it's the most insignificant regular season of any of the pro sports. Now, the M- why we focus on the playoffs is because it is primetime, because all those games are televised and you are watching. So that g- gives you more of a sample size than watching the regular season where he was still doing the same thing, still carrying the same awful team that once had to be completely reloaded during the trade deadline. I'm telling you that maybe people change their minds if they watch every single game. And I'm not asking you to watch 82 games. I'm just saying I think there's a difference in opinion if you watch the regular season opposed to only the NBA playoffs okay fair but I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of flip the argument a little bit on its head right now with I think LeBron is great I think he's fantastic but let's not get up in arms about the teams that he has beaten the play this playoff so far I mean you look at the Pacers very average team Victor Oladipo is great but just in a very average team nothing that special about him you had the number one seeded Toronto Raptors. They really are not that good. I mean, let's you know, let's call a spade a spade. The East stinks. The Raptors, I know they were the number one seed, really not that good of a team. And you beat a Celtics team without its two best players. So, I mean, let's not act like LeBron's out there beating the 96 Bulls and the 2001 Spurs and the 2006 Lakers. No, let's, let's take a step back a little bit. Because he hasn't really played much competition, and I know he's been carrying the team on his back, but that's just what he does. He's the GM of the Cavs. He's responsible, I think, in part for about 50% of the roster moves on that team. So he kind of made his own bed. Now he's going to sleep in it, and he's made it this far, but let's see if he can take down the real team in the Golden State Warriors, and we're going to get more input after the break. That's all the time. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the Sporting Edge with Wits and Rise. And because we're transparent, I want to know this is take two of this second segment. We had CBS once again try to bombard our show with a ad, which was mostly just disco tech music trying to get the crowd going. We started, I kind of appreciated it. We started letting the ad But it was play, over our voices. This one was too much. This is too much for comfort. It was... We were like, CBS, you can slip these in with like Neutrogena or L'Oreal, but when you go full like Avicii RIP or full, um, I can't even think of another DJ because I just realized I talked about a dead DJ. But Kinda. anyways, when you go full into that and really interrupt the flow of our voices, that's when we have to do takes. So once again, this is the Sporting Edge, sponsored here by El Monterey Taquitos, which is talking about the perks of having being poor and being able to buy 100 plus taquitos for around 20 bucks. And they're great drunk food, especially in L.A. when you're drinking most of your sorrows away. But, Xander, you were saying something about LeBron and the teams he went up against in the East last segment. And I wanted to disagree with you there. Yes, we've known the East ben, is you weaker. Can be, you can be wrong. It's okay, I, though. I, I, I can be wrong, but I don't like being wrong. And I don't think I'm going to be necessarily wrong here. We might have just differing opinions. Am I going to have to but, go Dallas Cowboys T.O. on you again and just completely just <laughs> diffuse your argument and make you that end up was, agreeing with me? <laughs> That wasn't one of my better arguments. That one, I... Oh, my God, not again. And we're back. Nope. All right, we saved it. We're not going back anymore. These L'Oreal shampoo commercials. Come on. Like, that's pretty aggressive. They're they're really trying to get in on us. CBS, we're going to come for your heads here in a second. 
But what was I saying? Yes, that was not my best argument with Jason Garrett, the TO, and the blah, 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 Dallas Cowboys. But this argument is, again, more an opinion-based, which all arguments in sports are. But mine is going to – it's going to be better here. So the Pacers, I think, are one of those up-and-coming teams. And that's going to be a lot of my conversation with East, how up-and-coming each of these teams are. Victor Oladipo, a special talent that I'm excited to see mature and grow in this league. They outperformed their – ability because they're going up against the Cavs who have made three straight NBA finals now four. it's the LeBron James team that's been seven straight times they wanted to play out of their minds and they did forcing that season or, or series into a game seven which was very important because that took a taxing toll on LeBron making then the rest of his journey even more difficult then right. is, he goes up against Victor Oladipo a top 20 player in the NBA Victor Oladipo, I do believe, is a top 20 player in the NBA. If we had the time, I would list out 20 NBA players, and he'd show up around 18, 19, or even 20 to be exact. I think but I could he- name 20 better NBA players. I think Victor Oladipo's great, but, I mean, the Pacers, not that good. But let's they, try, to they talk, have- ta- try to talk up the Raptors now, because I think that's where you're going. Move the, on. The Raptors, coached by Dwayne Casey, who unjustly got fired or was fired from his position as head coach of the team. What? They was are. It, they were the best unjust? team in the East. Was it that unjust? I think it's unjust. L- I think lose the you... playoffs three round, three years in a row to the same team? Like, I know he won coach of the year, and I know he was in first place as the number one seed, but, you know, something's got to give. Dude, he's like Jason Garrett. Then, doesn't then win. Gotta, doesn't then win when it comes. we got to take stock out of James Harden. If regular season, if you want to take regular season out of it, then we're taking the stock you have in James Harden right out of it. What because you, what do you mean the stock because, of James Harden that he was the MVP of the league? Yeah, why wouldn't LeBron be if it's all based on postseason and him getting Dwayne Casey getting fired? I understand these arguments are going to blend and not make a whole lot of sense here, but James Harden regular season was exceptional. They're not going to let him go just because he can't get past a certain point in the NBA playoffs. Just like I think the Raptors, who were exceptional in the Eastern Conference during the regular season, putting up the best record, being the number one seed. Shouldn't have am, let go of Dwayne Casey. I am Casey. so confused. Dwayne Casey's firing is a business decision because they didn't win when it counted. James Harden winning the MVP. And James Harden has never just, won when it counted. No, but the 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 MVP is a regular season award, so I don't I don't see where the two arguments come together. I'm saying James Harden was the MVP of the regular season. I don't care what he did in the postseason because it's not a postseason award. Dwayne Casey getting fired because he can't make it past the Cavs three years in a row, even though he did win Coach of the Year. Like I could see that business decision. They're not winning when they need to, so I don't I don't see where you're where you're crossing those two. I feel like this is another this is another Tony Romo, Jason Garrett, T.O. <laughs> argument. I think I'm just flipping I, you upside the head right now. And I'd rather just have you say, "Wait, you're right, you're right." No, I'm not done. And set, like this team, this Raptors organization is still a premier team in the NBA. They dude, still they, prove not, themselves, dude. They're not premier. The East is terrible. They're horrible. What Look at what the East had to offer this year with the 76ers blossoming the way they did. You've got some of the best talent in the NBA is now shifting back to the East. And LeBron didn't play all these teams in the postseason, but it speaks to the talent that is in the East. And you're looking at a Celtics team that now is going to have to figure out how to incorporate Gordon Hayward in that Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Jalen Brown mix at the forward position. Because I honest to God think Jason Tatum is the best of those three athletically by far, skill-wise probably right there with Gordon Hayward. And I understand Gordon Hayward, definitely a good force to have on the defense side of the ball, great at shooting off the off screens and finding the open spot on the floor. But I think Jason Tatum 
arguably is the best forward they have on that team. And Kyrie, yes, will slip back into it and make it more of a challenge. But they had a very good player in Terry Rozier, still had Al Horford on the court. Their depth was something to be talked about because not a lot of NBA teams have depth. And that creates a lot more problems the longer the game goes on because they can sub in more and more players that are capable of hanging on when the Cavs literally don't have anybody past their seventh guy, let alone past their third guy. Because here's my real question, Xander. Hey, newsflash. Game ain't about subs. It's about the players. It's about the all-stars. You don't hear the Warriors. I'm talking about the teams. You don't hear the Warriors talking about subbing in guys like I don't even know because I don't know any subs on the Warriors because they got they, KD, they actually do. Steph, they have Kevin Looney, Clay Thompson, Jordan Bell. And they're talking about the Steph role they Curry play and Draymond Green. That's it. I don't care about the subs. No. Subs don't mean crap. Subs don't and win you that, NBA championships. Guys like KD my, and LeBron and Steph do. Pockets are the can attest to that because Eric Gordon was the sixth man of the year coming off the bench and they weren't able to get past the Warriors. But now that yeah, was so that's what I'm you. saying. The subs don't mean crap. That's why the Houston Rockets didn't win. It makes a team more difficult to go up against than you imagine. It is all about the stars and all-stars. But if you have a good bench, the depth of a team, just like in college basketball, the depth of your team is important because what happens in those minutes where it can get away from you. Quick update, 68-68 all with 526 left in the third quarter. Um, I like that the Cavs are fighting this game. But back to my point, I think the Cavs played better teams than you're willing to give credit. I think you don't want to give it credit because you – box scored yourself into this fit that you think the East is still as weak as it was when LeBron first came back to the Cavs from Miami. I mean, I just think it's weak. It is weak. I don't know how you think it isn't. And I I told, I gave credit to LeBron. I said he basically beat three teams by himself, but let's not act like, you know, these three teams were the end-all, be-all in the NBA. They weren't that good. They were decent. The Celtics were decent. The other two, average. It's my is opinion. decent better than average for you? Decent usually decent is better is than that, average. It is. How how much above average is decent? <laughs> I don't know. It's just the next level up. I don't know. I Decent's kind of a shallow word. I, if you had like the spelling bee is going on the national spelling bee, I tried watching for a good portion, but decent is a very average word. How about that? Shallow word. Yeah. Well, the last time I checked, this isn't the spelling bee either, or the spell, grammar. Spell awards. decent. Spell decent for me, Xander. D C N T. Okay, you, you've moved on, no ding. But I just think, again, to the point being made, our idea of the Eastern Conference is going to be different because I think the talent in the Eastern Conference is a lot better than you think, and they have a lot more all-star, superstar players in the Eastern Conference than they did in years past. That's fine, but I'm not talking about and, talent. I'm, and LeBron, talking about, I'm talking about teams. And LeBron got through with his worst team. He got through the what? He got through all those challenges with the worst team he's had in many years. I mean, that's kind of his decision, though. Like, it was. It's not like he is the GM. David really is not there really. Anymore. He's not. This new guy is, in fact, going to be the reason he ends up leaving. I don't know. How do you one hundred percent sure I, he's going to leave? I I'm on the board that I think he's going to leave. I think they I win think this pro- series out of nowhere. Too. I don't like, think they're maybe win he, this series. He, maybe he stays. I think there's very little slim to none chance. I'm going to say they win two games. That's my opinion. But, you know, That's even more games than I would imagine giving them. I mean, I feel like they're going to win a game at least. But you never know. I mean, I would hope they win a game. I could go for another game seven. That would be pretty tight. That would be awesome. <laughs> asking a lot of this Cavs team <laughs> to get to a game oh, seven. Oh, it's only asking a lot of one guy. You know, 
not that big. Of a exactly. Deal. Okay, at least we're putting it back on his shoulders. By the way, quick update. I never took it off. When was you're you're gonna have to my do update. that update after the break because this is the Sporting Fine. Edge, everybody. We are out of time. If you miss a show, you know where to find us: LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We will be back after the break with more talk about LeBron. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, is seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. What's up? What's up, everybody? We're coming off that update. 7068, the last time I talked to you. LeBron over the 30 point plateau. And if you wanted to do over under in Vegas on points in the series for LeBron James, you would have had to choose it over, over or under 34.5 points in the series. I think that's a high range of points. I thought that was an interesting stat. And with Vegas and sports gambling becoming all the know now that it's legal, Delaware actually opening the first casino in the States that isn't in Vegas that is allowing sports gambling. I know Atlantic City did have it at one point, but this new trend is going to be great. It's going to start great things. We've really beaten the nail into the horse's head, which I haven't used in a long time in the NBA. Let's talk about baseball because I know that's what you're very comfortable talking about. And I wanted to talk about baseball specifically because Mike Trout is – apparently on pace to have the greatest Major League Baseball season any player has ever had. And what's funny about that is I'm very confident, and I've said that every single year for the last six years he's been in the league. So take it away, Wits. Talk about a little Mike Trout. I'll fill it in with some stats if you need it. Yeah, well, I mean, Mike Trout, I think I saw the number the other day that he's on pace to have a season, I think, with the 15 war, which is the best season, I believe, of all time. You look at his line right now, hitting 303 on base of 448 and slugging 676, leads the majors in home runs and on base percentage. Um, I mean, 12 for 12 in stolen bases. The guy is just unbelievable, and he does it every single year. And I mean, I don't know if you got, you've probably got some more stats lined up about him, but I mean, dude, the guy is just an absolute beast. So fun to watch. Such a great player, such a great guy, too, which makes him even more likable. Um, and it kind of kind of makes you wonder, you know, is he going to be a career angel? I, I'm I'm going to say right now, I think he will be. Um, I think the Angels, you know, they've they've definitely turned it around at least a little bit this year um, with guys like Otani coming over, and I, I think they're going to make some stuff happen because I think baseball deserves Mike Trout in the playoffs. That's the one thing that's been missing from the game. It's Mike Trout under the brightest lights, and let's see what he can do. It's really tough for me to want a player to stay on the same team when they're not being appreciated, when they're not making the postseason. And a lot of that stems from how I feel about what 
the Cavs have done to LeBron James. Mike Trout, on the other hand, though, they are making improvements in Anaheim. Their team is playing better overall. Shohei Itani, they bet they batted one and two for the first time this past week. That's a scary one-two to start the game off with. I know Pujols is declining. I know this team needs some more pitching. But this is a team that is on its way up, I believe. I know they just lost two on the road at Detroit. Actually, three on the road at Detroit. They've been in a little bit of a – they've been on a long road trip, by the way. Let's just start off with that. So they came out of it pretty scathed. They took a – Good beating, but I think this is a team that, again, is young and needs to mature and needs to develop a little bit more around Mike Trout. And um, CBS is back. Power rankings, where are they at? That, at least we, we got that figured out, CBS. Welcome back into our lives. But my quick stats on Mike Trout, like Xander said, this year alone, he's first already in the AL in home runs. He's second in the AL in runs, first in the AL in walks with 50, third in the AL in stolen bases, third in the AL in slugging percentage, and second in the AL in OPS. He... Also, that stat about war you're going to mention, there hasn't been a player since before 1990 to have a war greater than 12 finishing a season. So that would be incredible. He's on pace for 14.7 if everything goes right. And they do war per game. So if you think about it, if you get a Kyle Schwarber day where you go 0 for 5 with 3Ks, your war that game is negative 0.3. Mike Trout is 25 of 30 in having a positive war in each game this season or in his first 30 games of the season, which hasn't been done by any player ever. So fun fact there, Mike Trout, honest to God, is if we marvel at LeBron, that marvel should start shifting also to Mike Trout. I don't know when we're going to get a player quite like him again, and we're going to get to enjoy him for a long time to come. Whether it's on the Angels or not, we'll see. But he is absolutely a superstar. Yeah, and it's kind of funny that he plays on the same team as a, as a guy in Albert Pujols who might have had the best 10-year start to a career hitting-wise that the game has ever seen. And to think that Mike Trout could possibly follow that up is pretty unbelievable because um, you look at those guys, those two guys, probably the best. Eh, you know, it, it's a toss-up. I mean, you got Miggy, I would say, is probably in Albert's generation. But you definitely make an, ar- an argument that Albert Pujols is the best at least hitter of his generation, um, looking at the 2000s. So unbelievable. Um, and then, yeah, Mike Trout. I mean, there, there's just so much to say about him that I'm just speechless. So let's no, move I, on, and we should move on to the power rankings. because We could that, move on to the power rankings, but I also think that we have a fun exercise we can do because I caught on to ESPN I, trying I this fun exercise. exercise. What? I don't do exercise anymore. We're doing like, – I know. You're, you're getting some weight, unlike me, who's losing more weight than God. <laughs> But ESPN has come out with their June third of the way through the season predictions on the all-star voting and all-star team that they would like to see on the field. I thought there was a couple names on here that I wanted to ask you about whether you felt they rightfully deserve to be on this starting lineup or even deserve to be in the all-star game. You tell me what you're thinking. I might give you a little backlash. I'll start it off easy for you because you kind of like this new kid. Second base right now leading is Ozzy Albase or Albies, for the second base. I said Albies the second time. I did say Albis the first time, but we we suck with names here on the scoring edge. What do you think about him as the starting second baseman for this year's National League All-Star team? I like it a lot. I mean, Ozzy Albies has been having one heck of a season. Um, Tiny guy, but, man, is he pack a big punch. Leads the NL in extra base hits. Um, Just looks like a a star in the making. And you look at – you know him, Ronald Acuna, who I know is on the DL right now, and the, you know along with Freddie Freeman, 
really making a case for this Braves team to be a contender in the NL East, I think, for a long time to come. I have a feeling you're going to argue that Javi Baez should be the starter right now, but you know, if it's a toss-up, it doesn't really matter to me. But I, I, I would not be surprised if Albie's got the gig right now with the way he's hitting the baseball. I'm not actually going to argue that because I do believe Javi is going to deserve the nod um, come National League reserves, and him and Scooter Jeanette are up for that role. I think Albies is a good choice right there. He's leading the National League in extra base hits. He's a superstar talent that's young and ready to grow as well. Where I think me and you are going to argue, which will be interesting because I think this is one you should win, let's be clear. Like I'm already kind of submitting a loss for this argument. Bryce Harper is slated as the right fielder to start national on the National League team for the All-Star game. It is in D.C. Remember that, that this year's All-Star game is in Washington, D.C. I believe he should be starting in front of the fans. I do believe his impact, minus his batting average, is still very important to this Washington Nationals team that was struggling a little bit but is first in the division. I'm all about Bryce Harper getting to start in front of his fans. Yeah, well, I'm not like a big follower of just strictly individual statistics i know bryce harper's batting average stinks right now but 232 at, yeah that's i mean but what's his what's his on base is it it's got to be in the high 350s i think got to be skyrocketing but i just I mean, it's far away from that stat right now on his base, 18 home runs we could on base we could 380 like hold it up with 18 home that's i mean 232 is pretty bad but i think i can give a guy a pass when not only the split between his average and on base is 150, but um, you know 380 is very solid. Um, Slugging 547. Yeah. So I mean, but looking at the the reserves, what they have right now, ESPN, according to ESPN, Nick Markakis, Lorenzo Cain, and Tommy Pham. Nick Markakis is, is actually having a great year, hitting 333 with an on base a little over 400. Um, that guy, that guy's a professional ball player has been around, I think since I was like 11 years old and then Lorenzo Kane having a great year out in Milwaukee hitting 282, um, on base at 390. So I don't know. I mean, Bryce Harper, is there anybody, is there anybody missing from this outfield list that you think should be in it? I think it's interesting. They have Charlie Blackman, who I think is very deserving of it. And I also think it's awesome. They have a double Herrera who would be the first Philly to start in an all-star game since 2014, um, Chase Utley. Yeah, well, I think the one guy who looked like he was definitely going to be a lock was A.J. Pollock. Um, but him going down with the injury, I don't know where that where that leaves him in terms of the voting. But, you know, he, before he went down, he's hitting 293, 11 homers, 33 RBIs. I thought he was a guy, I mean, just playing unbelievable. Um, and this Diamondbacks team has kind of hit a rough, a rough stretch as of late. So... I don't really have a problem with Bryce Harper being being voted in as a starter right now, but that's why the article is called Still Too Early MLB All-Star Roster. But we're in June. I think if you're a third of the way through the season, you have kind of a good idea. I've always heard that through the first 150 to 200 bats, you kind of get the idea of where a hitter is going to be on that season. I also uh, have developed— Manny Machado last year? And came right back after the All-Star break, just throw it right back in my face. I think Machado is unbelievable as is, and we'll see where it ends up. But here's a good question I just conjured up. We've got Nolan Arenado and Chris Bryant. And we're going to save the answer for after the break because this is the Sporting Edge. You know where to find us if you miss the show, everybody. LibertyTalk.fm, AMFM247.com. We're going to be back after the break with a little more baseball and a little trivia and whatever else floats your boat. We'll be back. I paid my dues. 
What's up? What's up, everybody? I wanted to come back in pretty aggressive on this question to Xander because I think it can go both ways. I think there is an answer currently, but I think it's going to bounce and shift through time. We have Nolan Arenado at third base. And what we have Chris Bryant at third. What? I said, what are you, Einstein? Bouncing and shifting through time? Jesus. I know. I am just all through the matrix of everything. But Nolan Arenado, Chris Bryant, third baseman, both in the National League. Chris Bryant, yes, the World Series arguably brought it to Chicago. And yes, has won Rookie of the Year as well as an MVP already. But who overshadows who, I think, in the National League is my question to you. Nolan Arenado with his gold gloves, his batting average, his power, everything that he's gotten. He was an all-star starter last year over Chris Bryant. When you finish up these two players' career, I just feel in the NL you get overshadowed at a certain position. Who do you think will have more of a say for being better at the end of their career, Nolan Arenado or Chris Bryant? And who is more deserving the starting role potentially this year? Hmm. Very good questions. Um, let me take a look at the career first. I think the career perception for Nolan Arenado will always be a little bit tainted because of him playing Colorado. I'm not one of those people. I don't like it. I think he's an unbelievable player, and I'd be willing to bet that he could put up essentially the same numbers anywhere else. But, you know, if he is a career Rocky, then I guess we'll never get to know. But on top of the fact he wins the gold glove every year, I don't think he should be overshadowed, but I think he might be. But it also depends on the longevity of these two careers. I mean, who's to say that, you know, they're both going to play the same amount of time? I mean, you know, maybe one will just play a few more years. I don't know. I mean, that's not what it looks like right now. But um, it'd be cool if they both played for 20 years because I think they're awesome and they definitely should do that. But in terms of this year, um, I do like giving the nod to Arenado a little bit more. I mean, he's hitting 319 with a 416 on base and 11 homers right now. Absolutely pounding the ball. I mean, the guy, it seems like the guy never gets cold. Such an unbelievable player. And then you look at Chris Bryant, also having a very solid year, you know, 286 with eight homers and a 401 on base. So I think purely from the raw numbers, I think you got to give the nod to Arenado. Um, and just the fact that he wins the gold glove every year is just such a cherry on top. He's just, he's just an awesome player. Like, that's a guy you can build a team around. There's, there's no, I agree. Few- but I, I think Bryant, who I don't think is a poor fielder by any means. In fact, he can play multiple positions. I think he gets overshadowed by Arenado, which leads to my first question. It's just like, do you think slowly if the Cubs continue not winning, I know they're, it's been quick since their last World Series, would there be a time where Arenado surpasses Chris Bryant as the better player in people's eyes? Because right now with the MVP, with the World Series, I think it's hard to say that Chris Bryant isn't more valuable to a franchise than Nolan Arenado. But I'm wondering if over time there is that shift depending on how the Cubs play and depending on how Chris Bryant continues to do. Mm, I don't know. I don't think it's the best question. Tough question. Eh, just not a I – don't, I don't think Chris Bryant really overshadows Nolan Arenado. Not in my opinion. I know he's got the MVP. I think there has to be one has to be better than the other. And this is a thing where you can actually do that when it's position to position. I feel like you can choose the better player. I mean, if I'm going to choose the better player, I think I would probably take Nolan Arenado. (laughs) There's the answer. All right. Great timing. That was perfect timing. Great answer. It celebrated that question. Yeah. Didn't even go back to the article. I just exited out. You know what? Nice. You're going to play that crap. During the middle of the show, you're done. I don't even need the CBS. Anymore. We're getting we're vetting CBS. It's gone. Mike, Max Scherzer, Jacob Degrom, Aaron Nola, 
Gio Gonzalez, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg, and Jake Arrieta getting the nod due to his veteran status in terms of the way too early picks for pitchers. Uh, dude, I think that I makes would, sense for the I time being. I would not say veteran status like that. Dude, the guy is pitching unbelievable this year. He's got a 2.16 ERA. I know, but when it, he's going up against a guy like Miles Mikolas, who is also performing that way, I think it does give the edge having an established career, winning a Cy Young. Jake Arrieta would fill in the rest of that spot, which makes me also want to laugh and talk about the fact that Jake Arrieta, who we could have paid a little bit less, could have brought him back to Chicago instead of you, Darvish, who clearly has something going on. He has not been what he's been billed. We are throwing more money into a, a dumpster fire that follows Jason Hayward's dumpster fire money. It's tough. I just want to say it's tough, and I think we should have gone with J- Jake Arrieta at the end of the day. Well, I mean, it's really, really easy to say that now. And I can't, I, can't, screw the hindsight's twenty twenty. Well, it is. How can I mean? It's so easy to say that now. You, we have se- we have seen the decline of you Darvish over the years, whereas no, no yes, you Jake Arrieta. No, you have not seen the decline of you Darvish. What are you he talking had, he had about? A terrible Look at his world, the World Series performance alone is his decline. Uh, that's not two games is not a decline. I don't know what you're saying. I know it's so easy to say we should have kept Arietta now, but you can't act like you knew beforehand. Don't be that guy. You've been a lot I, of guys. I'm acting like I knew guy. that. I I was not a big Darvish guy. I'm going to be honest. No. Go through my texts with people. We can we can look it up. Jared oh, Rubin, yeah, get on that. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, look it up back. I'm gonna look at all the texts, dude. I'm sh- I'm sure you were salivating when he was coming to Chicago. You were the one of the main guys who was pushing for him to come last year. Uh, I'm not sure. I was against. I was more on the I hate you, Darvish train last year, and was either gonna have to make amends to hating you, Darvish, because he became a Cub, or just have to suck it up. Right. I don't but know he, if I would have brought. You didn't that hate him because he was or, bad. You hated him because you didn't want to come to the Cubs because you wanted him with the Cubs. Uh, not necessarily. I and during the trade deadline, Dude, this I is did. like another Ooh. Jason Garrett thing. Just wiping the floor. With I don't you know. The past two weeks. He's <laughs> a competition. We're gonna hop. We're gonna hop into the AL where they have Gary no, Sanchez. Just hop, hop, hop away. The catcher position. We're hop hopping in. Gary Sanchez, Mitch Moreland, well deserving. Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa. Are you being the best ESPN commercial I've seen in years with the salsa dancing, the two, or the double play, one of the, the great Sunday night sponsors for the Houston or Houston Astros Red Sox series that is currently going on. Love Altuve, love Correa, who went yard today on Thursday. I think that totally makes sense. But it's this infield is tough to fill in because right now it has Jose Ramirez. Jose Altuve and Carlos Correa as the starters in the infield. But you also have to think about the fact that that leaves out Francisco Lindor, Manny Machado, and Andrelton Simmons, who's having another great career season. A guy who was traded to the Angels and has really outperformed his ability, I believe, hitting-wise. I know he's an incredible fielder, but he's getting overshadowed by all this talent. So I'm kind of curious where you believe this talent should fit in, because I honestly think Manny Machado should be the starting third baseman, regardless of how good of a season Jose Ramirez is having. And I think that infield is unbelievable with Altuve, Correa, Machado. Yeah. So what do you think, Manny Machado? Um, should he be the starting third baseman? Mm, no, because he's not a third baseman anymore. So I have no problem with that. Um, Carlos Correa or Manny Machado. That's tough. Um, I think Machado should get the nod. Uh, I mean, Carlos Correa, you know, hitting 260, nine bombs, 38 RBIs right now. I know we're just reading very into the, you know, surface level stats, not diving into any any saber metrics. Um, But I think out of that bunch right now, I think I would give the nod to Machado because the guy's got 16 bombs. He's hitting almost 330. But, 
mean, Andrelton, Andrelton Simmons is having an unbelievable year, and he does have, I think, the best glove out of all those guys. But you look at the you look at the hitting. I think it's definitely going to go to Machado. He's just unbelievable, and you know, Lindor is a great player too. He's hitting. He's right behind him, hitting three ten with fourteen bombs. But I mean, Machado is just an absolute beast, and I would I would give him the nod right now. But ah, dude, all all star talk and all star games are just a bunch of baloney. Are they? We've just been putting a bunch of baloney in the universe. It finishes with Mike Trout, who's easy pick. Mookie Betts, easy pick. Aaron Judge, a clear, apparently an easy pick. He's on the ballot as well. Um, Jose Abreu finishes off one of the reserves, just showing that his career is still unbelievable. George Springer, Andrew Benatendi, Mitch Haniger, um, Giancarlo Stanton, DH reserve potentially, just because of the fan vote, they believe. It'll be interesting, because I think Shohei Itani could be a DH, as well as part of this pitching rotation that looks pretty incredible when you look at the pitching rotation they have selected for the American League. Yep, pitching rotation is incredible, and uh, I think um, top two guys, major, major reasons why the Houston Astros are having so much success. Um, on top of the bag, you got Charlie Morton, Dallas Keiko, and Lance McCullers as well. But that is all the time we have here for the Sporting Edge, everybody. If you miss this show, you know where to find us, libertytalk.fm, amfm247.com. We will be back next week. More talk about the NBA Finals, more MLB, any other news that's going on in sports. Revolutionary talk for revolutionary times. Promoting peace, liberty, and prosperity around the clock. LibertyTalk.fm.